Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. How many of you know sometimes when you're physically tired, it's a good time to just press in a little further and let the Spirit of God just infuse you with life? And like the Scripture says, times of refreshing come in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? My girl Sarah says it this way. Sometimes you, you actually just need a, a, a meal and a nap. That's actually all you need. Like you may think you're ready to quit, and you just get, get that nap, get that meal, and we'll be good. The Holy Spirit will sustain you and strengthen you. So, man, I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Thanks to Pastor and Pastor Suzanne, as always, for the trust to stand in this pulpit. I take this seriously, and I, I take it seriously as well. Um, and, I, and I'm looking forward to jumping into this subject what I kind of wanted to do was, Pastor, I love the subject of love because one of my passions is I like to see proper biblical direction given when a lie is being projected, okay? And one of the greatest lies being projected in culture right now is this falsehood of love, this false idea, you know? And I mean, it, it, I may step, overcook some people's grits, step on your toes, whatever I need to do this morning. Hey, praise the Lord, I can blame it on Jesus because I'm just going to preach the word. So there you go. So you get mad at me, I'll just be like, it was him, it wasn't me, it was him. Literally, I don't need you to look at me. You know, as we get ready to jump into June and, and, and the culture and this whole Pride Month thing and all of the lies that are associated therewith, I understand the real struggles that people go through, but the lies that are associated with that. And this idea that, no, 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 don't you ever try to define love. It's of whatever we say love is, is love of all different types. And we're going to get into that today. And so when I see these lies propagated, one of my greatest passions is to see biblical answers handled and brought forth to these lies which culture says are the way it goes. And the fact of the matter is when you look at the word, it's not the way it goes. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on. And so I want to dig into this thing a little further and give some practical um, points to all that great word that pastor preached over the last few weeks about love. And, and, and today we're going to talk about loving in truth, loving in truth. I want to go back to that same passage. I, I, I got excited when I saw a pastor was using that. I've, I've used this passage so much. It's one of my favorite sections of scripture from Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. And like he read last week, let's read that again. But when the Pharisees heard that, the, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Bad idea. Actually, it ended up good for them because Jesus gave them the right answers. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Tell somebody, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. So again, we spent the last four weeks talking about the power of God's love. And today, again, I want to spend a little more time and see what that looks like practically. And, and, and one of the things we have to do as we discuss the subject is bring up this idea of emotions. It is one of the things that, mis, that, that gives us so much, that misguides us so much. Because we feel somehow, and I'm using feel on purpose, we feel somehow that the way we feel about a thing is what validates it. I'm going to say it one more time because I didn't plan to say it, but we said it and it needs to be said again. We somehow think that the way we feel about a thing validates it. 
Many of my children, before being disciplined, heard from their father or their mother, you might have felt good about it, but it didn't make it right. You might feel good all day long about whatever that is. Does not mean it's the truth that we live by. And so emotions can kind of give us this little bit of a misguided thing. And you notice in that section of scripture, it didn't talk about feelings, even though we so often equate love with feelings. That's not what's mentioned in that passage or the passage that we're going to get to in just a minute. To touch on 1 Corinthians 13, the pastor started off his series with, verse 6 says this, love rejoices with the truth. It doesn't rejoice at wrong, but it rejoices with the truth. So in actuality, I may feel good about affirming myself or others in some particular behavior, some particular thought process, the way I treated a person, whatever that might be. I may feel good about affirming that, but if it's wrong, it's wrong. W-R-A-W-N-G. I'm looking at Miss Erica, the principal of the rock school. She's like, we don't teach to spell like that, Pastor Jamie. That's why people pay us that good money for tuition, not to spell like that. I'm just being facetious, but, but, but really, it's wrong. And love doesn't rejoice with that. It rejoices with the truth. I'll quote my wife here. Um, she, she taught a class this year for some of our high school homeschool girls. And um, the statement that she said, I, I loved it when I heard her say it. I was like, man, that's good, girl. You're kind of wise. I'm married well. God designed me so he gets to define me. Yeah, yeah. Should be on a t-shirt, right? Right? Come on. Let's make that, let's make that happen. Pay for the rest of these kids' college fund. Okay. God designed me so he gets to define me. And so today I want to lean into what does the truth of the word say about this subject. And what I want to do actually is talk about this thing of loving your neighbor as yourself and I want to go to the original passage because a lot of times what we do is we read this passage from Matthew and we see the other references to it in the Gospels and this idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Like Jesus came on the scene, although he's the eternal son of God, like he came on the scene and offered a new idea. He actually was offering a reminder from an old idea, which had been already in the old covenant, which was actually in Leviticus 19. All right? Most of y'all thought Leviticus was only for sleeping pills, as Jim Gilbert says sometimes. Numbers of Leviticus, like, you want to fall asleep, go ahead, lay in your bed and read those, and you might fall asleep. <laughs> so Leviticus chapter 19 is the mention of this in the Old Covenant. So let's read, starting with verse 9 through 18. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Some of y'all need to stay off social media. All right, next one, 17. 
<laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, 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 we're going to go after a lot of them today. Okay? 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You think God wanted us to know that's what he was saying? You notice how much that gets repeated? So two things we want to look at in this passage as we get into this study a little bit further. Two things about this passage. The first one is the authoritative nature of the commands. Why? Because he restates at the end of each section, I am the Lord. If we'll go back through there, we can see it happens at verse 10, happens at verse 12, happens at verse 14, at verse 16, and at verse 18. Restatement. In case you were wondering, I am the Lord. Okay, when I send word upstairs at my house to one of these wonderful young people sitting over here that I would like something done, sometimes I have to add, remind them when you go, dad said. Okay, because sometimes like my, 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 my girl Simone uh, will go up and Simone, as soon as I say, she's like running. She's, I try to get her not to run in the house. Um, that's like one of my things. Like after two of them, Kyla's actually and Jaden have some healthy scars on their face, and Kimura too, um, after running in the house. And I had to patch them up and then get some of the doctor friends to look at them, make sure I did a good job, all that kind of stuff. So we don't want to run in the house. So she'll go running off, but I'll say, hey, remember, tell them, dad said. You didn't say dad said. <laughs> it, it, now, not because I think I'm so great, but because then they know, oh, it's not just my 10-year-old sister who ran up and thinks this is a good idea. Dad actually sent a direct command that this is what we need to do right now. If me, being a human being faulty and sinful, gives this as the affirmation, how much more do we need to look at that when the Lord of all creation says, here it is, and let me remind you one more time, I'm saying this, I am the Lord. That, that's why we need to look back and say, oh, you know, isn't this a nice little set of ideas that maybe we can blend with the stuff that we're putting out today. Kind of come up with something that we like, you know, my truth, your truth. No, he reminds us and affirms, I am the Lord. So in case you wondered who was telling you and who was commanding you this thing, I am the Lord. The great I am has said this. That's number one out of that passage. The second thing out of that passage is we need to look rightly at the Old Covenant. Sometimes we look at the Old Covenant like God needs better help. And I mean better help the business, you know, like you need a therapy session. You know what, Lord, if, you know, it's been kind of rough, I know, but if you'll get online, you can get one of these therapists or you can check in with one of our Christian counselors that we use because you could use a therapy session, Lord. You look a little mad, okay? A little tiptoe through the tulips wouldn't hurt you. Big guy upstairs. Because, you know, you look a little mad here in the Old Covenant. Same God. I am the, the Scripture says, I am the Lord. I do not change. But here's the way, here's way one of my favorite Christian hip-hop artists, KB, says it. He has a podcast um, that, that one of him, him and his friend, they, they discuss theology. You know, I know a lot of people want to hate on Christian hip-hop artists like they don't have any theology. Some of those guys have some better theology than some of us. And so, they, and, so they, and so they're there talking, having these conversations. And one of the things they said, he stopped me in my tracks. I was looking at an, an Instagram video, and he came up. And he said, you know, what we see in the Old Covenant is 
an HD picture of God's character and holiness. We see an HD picture of God's character and holiness. That's why sometimes it's disturbing for the regular human being to look at. Wow, that happened? Why? Because his holiness is at a level we can't comprehend. I mean, if we can see the example that I'll often use, a beautiful $100,000 sports car pull up under that awning over there and some little kid scratch it with a key and we're like, oh my God. Or even forget a million dollar sports car and we freak out about that. How much more any little sin is an offense of eternal weight against the God of such holiness? That's the, that's the real deal. So we got to realize there's an HD picture of God's holiness here, which then leads us to this. How do we then look at what happens in the Old Covenant? Some people think it's kind of like, oh, the, the, the preface to the New Covenant, so I kind of I put it aside, I don't really need to mess with it. But actually what we, what we do well to do is look at it and realize that the Old Testament laws that were handed fall into three baskets. I've talked to you guys about this before, but let's review, all right? So three areas where the Old Covenant laws are dealt with in the New Covenant. Number one, you have ceremonial laws that are fulfilled in Christ's work on the cross, Okay. So we have ceremonial laws that are fulfilled in the work that Jesus does on the cross. And I'll give you examples here in a second. Two, you have civil laws that are now vested in the state under God. Not vested in the state unto themselves. Any politicians who get a wind of this video or watch it, not unto yourself, under God. So stop with all that. I believe God privately in my house, but none of that impacts the way I govern. That's a sure way that I will never vote for you. God bless you. Was that too? Was it something I said? Was that too much? I mean, I, I hope that's how you go if you vote. If somebody's going to give you some, this is the core of my being and everything I believe, but it'll never impact the way I govern. That's about the dumbest thing I ever heard. That's stupid. Hey, kids, I have certain beliefs about how you guys need to turn out as adults and the truth that I want you to live in, but you know what? It's never going to impact the way that I parent you. That's how you sound. Get that trash out of here, as we say, down south and here too. So the civil laws are vested in the state under God. Third, moral laws are based on God's character and they continue. Okay? So again, we have ceremonial laws. Let me give you an example. The sacrificial system. Thank the Lord. I'm in the ministry. I don't have to slaughter any animals. Praise the Lord. Okay? The sacrificial system was fulfilled in Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. Amen. Amen. Civil laws are vested in the state. Things that relate to the well-ordering of society, the death penalty, all of those things are now vested in the state. Not in the people of God specifically, but in the state. And then third, the moral laws are the things based on God's character that we continue to live by. Okay? Lying, adultery, stealing, all those things. And if you notice, those things deal with my person-to-person relationship, which is what we're talking about now. So this love your neighbor thing is a moral law that continues. You're not free from it. You are free to do it. I'm going to say it again. You're not free from it, but you're free to do it by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Here's a point for you. Loving your neighbor as yourself is a moral law that is reflective of God's character that we are called to emulate and live out. Okay? Loving your neighbor as yourself is a moral law that's reflective of God's character that we are called to emulate and live out. So the embrace of God's truth in every situation is what is paramount for us. 
Okay? However we may feel about it is not what is paramount, but what is, is that it is God's truth and what he had established for us and how we should live. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now let's look a little further in this passage. The power again in this passage is loving based on the truth that God has already established and not based on the feelings that I may have. Let me see a show of hands, and if you're uncomfortable, just, uh, just, just act like you're comfortable. <laughs> How many of you ever had a hard time loving somebody near to you? Oh, oh you too. <laughs> and here's the power in it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is a comprehensive statement, which is why Jesus goes on and reminds us to love our enemies too. Hmm. Hmm. Love your enemy? The one who wishes you harm actually may perpetrate harm. Gee, oh. Love even your enemy. Because it's easy. I mean, come on. She's not over there. I was going to have her run up here. My, my little girl, Abigail, like if you just want somebody easy to love, she's pretty much in that category. That's why all her siblings, we call her at our house, we call her the unifier. She brings everybody together. So literally, I'm no joke, no joke. They can all attest to this. Like when she's going to bed, she goes to disperse hugs to everybody when she goes to bed. Everybody. Jaden still comes to give his mom, his mom and dad a hug. He's back there on camera. Jaden still comes to give me and mom a hug. My boy, my tall. He's, he's tall now. I'm like this when I give him a hug. But Abigail gives everybody. She's like, can I go give, give him a hug? And then she'll go to Kyla's room. She'll go to her big brother and say, Daddy, can I go ask Kyla if he'll play a game with me before I go to bed? He's finished a hard day at work, doing his school thing, and he's got to sit on the ground with Abigail and play a game because, or I'll walk upstairs, I'm like, why is Abigail not asleep? Because she talked her two of her brothers into laying in her bed with her and reading her a story. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, so let's be real. Not everybody is like that. There's some folks who the Lord says love them, and you're like, I thought you were going to say, may they die soon, Lord. Am I the only one? I mean, come on now. That person was like a little challenging at times. You'd be like, oh, Jesus, if maybe you could take me another place. There's not a condition. Your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. These things come to us as the directive, and it's not for us to say, well, when I feel real good about that, then I'll actually do that, Lord. No, it's actually all the time. It's all the time. Here's another one for you. So what we believe about God directs our behavior, the way we conduct ourselves, and then in light of that, what we believe about our neighbors directs our behavior toward them. Not the feeling. Remember, let your feelings follow truth. I'm telling you, you're going to do some stuff for people and act in ways towards people which you're not feeling every time. I don't need an amen. I just want you to let it sit right there. Let it marinate right there. Marinate. You're not going to be feeling it, okay? We learned that over the years. My, my wife and I learned that over the years, and I learned that prior to marriage with friends, that sometimes you're going to do something, and you're like, this is just the right thing that I'm supposed to do. Feeling it? Like, this was just so great. No. No. No, and I guarantee you that my wife has done for me in our marriage 
times when she's like, man, don't ask me anything. That's, I'm sure that's what she felt like, just like I felt that way sometimes. But you, you do it. Why? Because the action toward that person is what you're called to. And here's the power in it. The Lord can do a work because you've chosen to walk in obedience to what he said. And the feelings will follow. That's why I encourage young people who are looking at marriage. If you're single in here, I got your number right now. And you're looking for a spouse. Set yourself that you would do what honors the Lord and honors that person before you get all stirred up about how you feel. Because feelings can be up and feelings can be down. She can make me real happy and then she can make me real mad. <laughs> Hello? All the married people are like, amens. Multiples of those amens. And, and here's where you learn it, young people. In your friendship. In your relationship with your siblings. So we point to all the time. Not because you got on the phone at night. Yeah, girl, you know. I mean, over here at the house, just chilling. What you doing? That will come and go. Come on. You'll be married for a few months and you're like, don't talk to me. <laughs> when on the wedding day, it's like, oh, you're so beautiful and so wonderful, so special. Let an argument happen. Let a disagreement happen. I mean, a real good one. Not one of those small ones, a real good one. What's pastor say, those discussions? You had a discussion, and it's been hours. Like, I don't, I, Lord changed their heart. If they would just submit and surrender to your ways, Lord, we prophesy that they're going to repent. I think the Holy Spirit's laughing and being like, as soon as you get ready, I'm going to convict you to repent because you're the one who needs to repent and walk in the mercy and grace and the forgiveness I've called you to. Amen? So listen, this thing is, it's, it's all kinds of relationships that we walk together in and we walk in forgiveness and love in. Not without truth, but we still walk in forgiveness and love. So these directions are clear. So here it is. If I could summarize it, and then we're going to go through each of these verses here in this chapter. Treat people in a way that seeks their good and not their harm. Do you want an overarching theme for it? Treat people in a way that seeks their good and not their harm. And remember what I left out and what, because it's what he left out, not how they feel about it. Or how you feel about it. But in a way that's for people's good, which includes you. You ever had a situation where you had to tell somebody the truth? <laughs> Oh, Jesus. One of my stories I remember, I used to work for, uh, for Carolyn Buchanan at Temp Force when I was in college. And um, I called it boot camp because I, I worked with eight women for a year and a half <laughs> of varying ages. From 18 to 75, I think it was, eight, maybe 72. Varying ages of women, and I worked with them for a year and a half as a single man in his senior year of college. So I learned some stuff in that process. And one of my coworkers one time had an interview, and I was looking through the glass in my office, and I saw her giving these interviews. She did two of them, and I just didn't want to say anything to her. We had been eating Krispy Kreme donuts in the break room. And my girl had a little piece of icing right here. And, she fi and I finally was like, oh, man, I got to tell Hey, 
you got this right here on your face. She's like, you let me go through two interviews with that on my face? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. I should have went in on the first one and been like, hey, I had this paper to drop off. I could have, easy, light, just walked in, did that. But because of not being willing to tell her straight up what was going on, it was to her detriment. And really to mine then, because I could have been a better friend to help her out. And so any of you around church, some of you ladies, if I ever give you a comment about your lipstick or having a little lipstick on your teeth, or some of the brothers, you got something, a little black pepper right there left over, or something on your cheek. I, I, you guys know, I'll tell you. Why? Because I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. I did it last time and it didn't work out well. So now I'm going to love my brother and my sister enough to tell them the truth about that. But you see, we're joking and laughing about that, but what happens when it's an issue in life? It's something serious about somebody's life that requires that we now have a, hey, we need to talk about this. Super uncomfortable, challenging, but we need to talk about this issue. In love. Doesn't mean I cuss you, throw you out. You, you don't have any place anymore. That's one of the most powerful things is loving people where they are. And I'll, I'll reference that a little bit more in just a second with a story. So let's go through these. Verses 9 and 10 talk about sharing, sharing God's provision, sharing God's provision. If you look at that, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. We talked about this before, in particular when I talked about money a few months ago on a Wednesday night. It's the sharing of the provision. The Lord's like, I've got you provided for. So even all that extra stuff is so that you can be a blessing to somebody else, which helps you be a blessing and realize that I don't need to keep everything for myself. I can pour into someone else, but it also helps that person have a way of provision in a practical sense. And because of the way the Lord said for them to do it, leave that for the poor and the sojourner. Actually, he didn't say to go and create care packages, drop it at their house while they stay home not doing anything. I'll repeat, because currently, all right, some of y'all might throw stones at me. This is not political. I'm just stating the facts of what's going on. Currently, part of why our Congress cannot get the budget passed, which they need to work on that anyway, they need to learn how to spend less. Praise the Lord. That's it. I'm going to leave that right there. Moving on. Like a household doesn't overspend, our government's got to learn that. One of the issues they're struggling with is whether or not there's a work connection with the benefits somebody's going to receive. That's God's order and design. I rob you in loving my neighbor if I say, no, 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 you don't do anything. I'm going to give you free stuff. Mm, yeah, I'm, jump, I'm right in your lap right now, jumping right in. That's a practical. I rob you of the experience and the learning and the process and the dignity of that which God has already provided for you. Because I think I got a better way that's going to make me feel better. I'll feel better about me saying, I made a care package and brought it to your house instead of you being involved in the process. Now, the care package is good. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's be a blessing to people that way. But there's a bigger, more comprehensive statement that the Lord gives us in order that we could walk out his purposes and that person can grow in the way that he's called them to grow. Because, see, sometimes I want to leave that person stunted without the growth the Lord has for them because it makes me feel better or I don't have to do something that I may see as hard. So in sharing my provision, 
in that process. Like even as we as a church, our hope is when we hand, sometimes we hand a family in need, gift cards, money, an envelope, there's always follow-up to some extent. Hey, what else can we do? Because we want some discipleship to take place. If it's just a hard moment, cool. But if there's maybe a job training needs to happen, maybe school needs to happen, maybe a budget meeting with Pastor Tad needs to happen, that's reality. Oh, how could you require anything? Jesus did. Listen, man, when that lady got caught in adultery, he didn't say, girl, I know why you did it. It's all right. Go on. He said, go and sin no more. Because I'm robbing you if I don't allow the work of God to happen because you step up as a partner with him for his purpose. Going to the next one. Man, I'm having a good time if none of you are. Second one, treat one another with integrity and honesty. Integrity and honesty, verse 11 and 12. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Listen, honesty and integrity is important. Now, let me go back to how we feel. Some of you guys are a little more bold. Saying true things doesn't mean that you're speaking truth from God. Can I say it again? Saying true things doesn't mean that you are speaking the truth of God. Some of you guys like to pop off at the mouth, if I could say it that way. Oh, girl, I, you know, you don't need to wear that dress because it looked. Just because you felt like it, it didn't need to come out. Some of you got to learn that art. Some stuff doesn't need to be said. What is the benefit to you saying, I think your dress looks busted and terrible, terrible on you, like Charles Barkley would say? <laughs> benefit? No. Nah. But you could speak truth in some other way that's affirming to what God has declared and what God has designed so that that person can learn and grow. And truth be told, honestly, the dress may be nothing. That might just be about you. And me. And all our preferences that we feel like have to be fulfilled. One of the greatest things a parent can learn is stop trying to enforce your preferences and go into a place of saying, how do I affirm and rejoice with the truth for my kids? Hello? Just because you wanted them doing that profession don't mean that's the one that the Lord called them to. I'll leave that alone. Treat one another with integrity and honesty. In a godly fashion, integrity and honesty. Third one, equal treatment of one another. Verse 13 and 14, equal treatment of one another. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. So treating one another with equal treatment and fairness, not sameness, We're not the same, but we treat each other with fairness. If you'll go back to the parable of the talents, what did the manager do? He dispersed talents to each person. Did he give everybody the same amount? Did y'all just say no? Uh, Oh, so when we decide societally that we're going to give everybody the same amount and want everybody to finish in the same place, that's actually not God's design? Oh, okay. See, the answers are simple. Harder to work out sometimes. The answers are quite clear from God's word, what it is and how we should function. 
So we treat one another with, with equal treatment because that's God's design. That was the great evil of slavery and segregation in the United States was that we were not treating people equally as image bearers of God, one to another. That was the great evil. The great evil was not because we had a fight because white is right, black is beautiful. That wasn't it. The fight was we're all image bearers of God and we're being treated unequally, disrespectfully, without integrity and honesty, without seeing the value in each person as a creation of God. That's what the issue was because then if we'll come into Christ, in Christ is primary. White is not primary. Black is not primary. Latino is not primary. Asian, if you're black and he's like me, is not primary. In Christ is primary. So we treat one another equally in our relationships. That connects to the next one, equal treatment under the law. This is where some of this stuff actually gets worked out and where it actually then gets to these sticky areas of politics and voting and all this stuff and how we actually live that out and how can we actually do a thing which glorifies God in the midst of what looks so dirty and messy so many times. So equal treatment under the law, verse 15 and 16. Take a look at that. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer. That's why I said earlier, some of y'all need to stay off social media. Because social media is a vehicle for you to jump in on gossip and slander. Well, actually, I guess libel, right? Legally, because it's writing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's both. Because, again, we're called not to do that among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. We treat people equitably under the law according to the Bible, not according to what our culture has redefined it as. That's why some of you guys who work for corporations are being plagued right now with all the diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. So now I have to like bite my nails and worry like, wait, what were the ratios in this meeting? Which then they just kind of throw out the window and they don't actually represent what the society looks like anyway. Hello? Because can I be honest with you right now? Let's just go mathematically. Some of y'all are going to be mad that I start talking about this stuff. But look at our Supreme Court. Black Americans are overrepresented on the Supreme Court by percentage now. See, nobody even knows how to respond to that, but it's math. Approximately 13% of the population is black. If you do the math, it's about 22.3% with two black people on the Supreme Court. Oops. Forgive me for using a calculator. Which is why that stuff doesn't matter really that much if we're treating one another equally under the law to the glory of God. I don't have to wait and figure out how many faces looked at which color because in Christ is what matters most importantly. So don't freak out if your table doesn't match up to somebody else's feeling. There we go again. Look at whether you're going and proceeding and saying, you're an image bearer of God, I'm an image bearer of God. We come together in love. First under God, to his glory, and to our good. Yeah, and I know these things are hard to talk about sometimes, but the thing is the answers are simple. The applications are what are challenging at times. The Lord has given us beautiful answers to these things if we will apply them saying, Holy Spirit, help us. Help me to love my brother. Help me to love my sister and walk in a way that glorifies and that honors you. That's, that's it. That's where the win is, guys. So equal treatment under the law. And you know what else it says here? Look at this. 
This is feelings again. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. We think sometimes, oh man, that guy's poor. He's had a rough road. I got to kind of do something, pad the stats for him. Not what the word says. Or, oh my God, he showed up. He has all this money. Special seat. James chapter 2 says that's a sin. Partiality. Oh, look, the VIP's here because he pulled up in his nice car, 150 grand under the awning. Come on, bro. You sit up here next to Pastor. Uh, you're a little struggling in the outfit category and you maybe got a ride with somebody. Why don't you sit back there? That's James chapter 2. That's your Bible and mine. Partiality, it's a sin and it's a wickedness before the Lord. Let us not be on either side of that, imparti- that, that partiality. Let us be those who treat one another equally as image bearers of God. Amen? And the last one. Deal in truth and respect one another as God's image bearers. 17 and 18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor, say it, as yourself. And again, he says, I am the Lord. Let me give you this. All the questions of life about how we treat people are all answered by God's word. They're all there. Easy to see, not always easy to apply. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to empower us and to strengthen us so that we can carry these things out for God's glory and our good and the good of our neighbor. That's the power. I'm going to jump to this last section here. So what are three things about this loving and truth practically? Number one, embrace the truth. Number one, embrace the truth. Receive what God says about all of life, however difficult his ways are best. However difficult his ways are best. Let me, let me read it to you this way. Rosaria Butterfield, I recommended her um, a podcast she was interviewed in. Uh, she's a Christian writer, love that woman's writing. It's powerful. Um, and she just so blessed my soul, this podcast she was on, talking about her coming out of a homosexual lifestyle years ago. And she said this, I thought, what an honest take. She said, when I was leaving my sin, sometimes it was like being pulled apart by wild horses. I said, my God, what an honest take. We over here sometimes like Jesus handed me a handful of lollipops and said, run through the field. Yay! It was super cool. No problems anymore. I feel good about everything. My girl said, I felt like I was being pulled apart by wild horses. I said, what an honest take. And I thought, I was in my car listening. And I was like, wow, thank you. My girl, Rosie, go for it. That is truth. Because sometimes it does not feel that great to do the thing the Lord has said. But as we offer it as obedience to him, the Holy Spirit comes to strengthen us and to empower us right where we are. And then we can see the fruitfulness of that and we look back and we say, thank you, Lord, that I didn't go with the way I felt, but I went with what you said. Amen? Amen. Second one, rejoice in the truth. Rejoice in the truth for you and for me. 
Rejoice in the truth. The truth comes, but sometimes we don't want to get past that being pulled apart by wild horses part. We got to learn to now step in and say, Lord, I don't see it all, but your way is better than my way. I don't understand it now in this relationship that I have to reconcile and deal with in the way in which I need to approach this person in this action you're calling me to take, which in my flesh hurts, but you know better. And so I'm going to rejoice in what you've said. God, thank you that your ways are higher than my ways. Thank you that what the word says is that when the word comes in, it brings light and it brings understanding to the simple. Lord, I'm simple in this right now, so I need you to make it really plain for me and then help me so that I can receive it and walk in it and rejoice in it because I know it's better because you said. Rejoice in that truth. And third, then live in the truth. Allow God's word to guide the actions we take in worshiping him and loving our neighbor. Delight in the obedience to God and applying it. I want to hear, I want to embrace the truth. I want to rejoice in it. Then I want to actually do it. That's why I get back to what we were talking about before, the behavior. Sometimes our action is what is paramount. Our action is what is paramount. See, I had the opportunity this week to, to have a party. I'm not going to make her come up here because she'll be mad. To have a party for my girl, um, Kimora, who's graduating high school, which is crazy. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, give it up. Give it up. Give it up. And, and it was cool because we, we, we were crazy busy for a couple of days buying food and, and, and planning stuff. And it was at a venue, we had to make sure, and I was gonna be somewhere else at the time, and so I had to make sure everything was set with Gina and the kids and make sure everything was lined up. And in the midst of us, it was funny the other day, I was like, I should have videoed this. It was all of us, we were in the kitchen and then the living room just putting stuff together. So it was like organized chaos. Everybody's moving, going, you're cooking this, you're, they got icing happening, they got cookies happening and all this stuff's going. And at the end of it, she just walked, she didn't even realize, it just blessed my heart. She just walked up to me, gave me a smile and gave me a hug. I was like, Psh, all right, cool. Game over, we're good. <laughs> because that was her stepping up saying, you know what, this is great, dad. I know, I know, baby, you didn't even have to say all of it. This is great, dad. This is gonna be a great celebration and thanks for doing all this. Because sometimes you need to just step out. Was it like, this, I, I preferred losing sleep and doing a lot of extra stuff. No, you don't. If that's what you said, I'm going to call you lying right now. <laughs> but you step out because what? The Lord has called you to do a thing, and it's going to be fruitful in the long run. What's that conversation some of you need to have? Had a beautiful conversation with one of our, one of our I think she's an eighth or a ninth grader. We'd been talking about some of these issues of, of, of different sinful lifestyles. And she comes to me about a friend and said, Pastor Jamie, what do I do in living out my standard as a believer? Which just blessed my heart that this girl in early high school is having this thought process and still loving my friend. I don't want to kick her out, but I want her to know that this is the standard I live by. And so I gave her some counsel and some direction. I thought, girl, I said, sweetheart, you got it right that you want to continue to hold the standard of truth, but you don't want to kick this friend away to the curb. I said, both of those come together and it is right and good and pure before the Lord. So some of you today, where is that relationship? Where's that child that is wayward? Where's that coworker that you need to reconcile with? Maybe even just in your own heart that you've been going to work being like, they're so annoying. And you need to get your heart right. 
What's that action you may need to take to be a blessing to somebody in your life? Which is not easy, but you know you saw it already, so now you're accountable for it from the scripture. Hello? Like Pastor said, as we get ready to go into this crazy cycle, I feels like we've never stopped elections since the last like, eight years, quite honestly, all this up and down crazy political stuff we've dealt with. How, how are you going to work? I, some of y'all might need to get off social media for a little bit so that you, you can pray for people. <laughs> I can get an amen for some of y'all because I know some of you personally who did it. Hey, if you do, it, I mean, listen, I'm going to go ahead and unfollow you for about the next six months and then I can pray for you. <laughs> Hey, if that's what you, hey, that's what you need to do, cool. Because we're called to act and behave, take an action in a certain way towards our neighbor in love and in grace. And you know what the great joy I have is I know the Lord's faithful by his spirit to empower you because he's done it in my life and he'll continue. And there's stuff right now I'm even thinking of that there's things I need to step out in and he's going to empower by his spirit. Come on and stand with us today. So today, if, if, if that's you and you've got a situation where this love thing needs to be applied in a more comprehensive way or something you have to deal with in your heart, I'm going to call our prayer team down here. These faithful prayer warriors are here to lock arms with you and stand with you so that you can see the breakthrough that the Lord has. Ephesians 3 says it this way. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Everything that needs to be done, the Lord is faithful to accomplish it in your life. Trust him and believe him to strengthen you to do it. It will bring great glory to him and it will bring goodness to us in every single way. So I'm going to pray this morning just to start this off, but if that's you and you know you need to partner up with somebody and pray over something, come on down. If you've got something else you need to pray over, maybe healing, maybe a struggle in a family situation, direction, clarity for a job, some vision in a certain area, decision you need to make, come on down as well. And these prayer warriors are going to be here to stand with you. Father, thank you so much for your word today. It is life and it is spirit. I thank you. It's a double-edged sword. It pierces, dividing asunder. Lord, between joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and discerns the thoughts and the intents of our heart so that we can align with what you say for your glory and for your honor by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I thank you for this time today. I thank you for this word today. May it be good seed in every heart. And God, as we continue in prayer, Father, let this prayer team just stand faithfully with those who are declaring things which are for your glory and for your honor as we grow in you and advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.